Welcome back to the Yellow Box Podcast. This week, we are joined by small group director, Sherry Benke, as we begin a brand new series, Bumper Sticker Theology. For more information, please visit us at www.communitychristian.org. And remember, you can always find us on Sundays at the Yellow Box at 9.30 a.m., 11.15 a.m., and 5 p.m. We hope to see you there. Well, good morning, Yellow Box. How are you guys doing this morning? Good. Whoo! It is summertime, right? Oh my gosh, there is not a cloud in the sky today. Um, as John mentioned, my name is Sherry Banky. I'm part of the small groups team here at the Yellow Box. But what you may not know is a little bit of my backstory of how I got here. And so to give you just a quick review of my life, has anybody here ever been to Dover, Oklahoma? Just raise your hand. Dover, Oklahoma. Shout it out. Yes! I'm going to have to get you a prize at the end of this message. The great destination city of Dover, Oklahoma, population 500, is my hometown. That's where I grew up. I grew up on a red dirt road with my mom and my older sister. My mom was the oldest of seven sisters. We lived on a farm. We lived on a red dirt road. And my mom and my sister, we lived on this end of the dirt road. And then it was my aunt and my cousins. And then my aunt and my cousins. And then my aunt and my cousins. My aunt and my cousins. My crazy aunt that lived around the corner. Because everybody has a crazy aunt, right? And that's how I grew up. That's where I grew up. But through a series of events that we don't have time to discuss right now, I found myself in the Midwest... It was about 18 years ago, um, I stumbled into Community Christian Church, far from God, but I, I would sit in the back and I would leave during the last song because I didn't want to get busted by the church people that were there. These church people are crazy. And, um, but it was after a couple of times attending, I experienced God in an undeniable way. And it was right here at Community Christian Church that I found my way back to God. So I don't know where you are spiritually this morning. I don't know if you're sitting on the aisle and waiting for that last song to play so you can make your quick exit. But if you are open to God working in and through your life, he can set you on an amazing journey. A journey that even a farm girl from Oklahoma can be here in Naperville, Illinois, giving you the message this morning. So let's dive in. Don't you just love bumper sticker wisdom? Bumper sticker wisdom, don't you just love it? Maybe you're in a traffic jam, bumper to bumper traffic, and you look up ahead of you and you see this little nugget of wisdom on the bumper sticker in front of you. Be nice to your kids. They'll choose your nursing home. That's pretty good advice, actually. (laughs) That's pretty good advice. Or how about this little nugget? I used to be cool. I mean, I used to be cool. Not that I'm not cool right now, but I used to be cool. I was cool back in the day when we had real dance moves. Not this floss. We had the moonwalk and the running man. (laughs) How about this one? Honk if you love Jesus. Text if you want to meet him. That's pretty good advice too. (laughs) That's pretty good advice. Um, Bumper stickers are entertaining. They really kind of have these short, concise sayings that kind of try to convey a real clever or pithy thought in, in a short way. 
And I've been around um, and I've realized that whether it shows up on a bumper sticker or maybe on a Facebook feed, Christians kind of have their own short, uh, concise sayings too that try to convey some spiritual wisdom. And these axioms, uh, they are sayings like, everything happens for a reason. Or God helps those who help themselves. Or God is my co-pilot. But the question we have to ask ourselves is, are these sayings actually true? I mean, have you ever stopped to consider the theology behind these sayings that we hear so frequently? We are beginning a brand new series today called Bumper Sticker Theology, where each week we're going to take one of these bumper sticker sayings and we're going to ask ourselves this question, is it biblically sound or does it just sound biblical? Because there's enough truth, there's enough truth in these sayings that I think we can believe them, but do they really match up with the arc of biblical teaching? And I think it's really important for us to not just assume that everything that we hear and everything that we read is truth without uh, really digging into it and comparing it in the light of scripture. And that's what we want to do. And the reason why this is important, first of all, is because people come to conclusions about God because of what we say. And sometimes these conclusions, they're just not true. Another reason why is we can unintentionally, though we have good intentions, we can unintentionally actually hurt people and push them farther away from God. And so the bumper sticker we want to talk about today is God won't give you any more than you can handle. God won't give you more than you can handle. Have you heard that one? Raise your hand if you've heard it. I've heard it. I've seen it on Facebook feeds. And to be honest, I've said it myself. I've said it myself. And I had to ask myself this question. Why did I say that to people? Why did I say God won't give you more than you can handle? And I think the reason why is I was trying to give somebody a pep talk. They were going through a hard time. And I wanted to say, you got this. Hang in there. God won't give you more than you can handle. And we're trying to encourage somebody with those words. I know I've said it to myself, trying to encourage myself to kind of endure some hardships that I've gone through as well. Like somehow I could muster up my will to do that by saying, I got this. God won't give me more than I can handle. If I'm honest, sometimes I don't know what to say. Especially when somebody is sharing a really overwhelming crisis situation with me. And the only thought in my head is, that sucks. But I know that's not encouraging to say, so it seems so spiritual to just say, God won't give you more than you can handle. But I also think there's something that we really like about what this says. I think we really like it because it really feeds into our self-reliant culture that we live here in America. We love it that we can get through anything. We kind of have this superhero mentality that no matter what comes my way, I got this. We read books about people who have pulled themselves from their bootstraps and we love to be self-reliant. It's like our motto. But let me ask you this. If God only gives us what we can handle, 
then why would we even need him? Why would we even need him? If we buy into this superhero, self-reliant spirituality, even as Christians, we can begin to live as humanists as if God doesn't even really matter. So where did this idea that God won't give you more than you can handle come from? Where did this come from? Well, I think it likely came from a combination of some wishful interpretation and maybe a bit of a telephone game with some words that Paul had mentioned in a letter that he wrote to the church in Corinth. And we call this letter 1 Corinthians, and this is the scripture that I think kind of jacks us up. We read, no temptation has ever overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. And so I think the piece of the scripture that kind of gets us a little messed up here is this piece right here where it says, and God is faithful and he will not let you be, what's this word? What's this word? Yes, tempted beyond what you can bear. And so we take that and we think, oh, this means that God won't give me more burdens than I can handle. He won't give me more than I can handle. But see, that's not what Paul is saying here. Paul isn't saying that he won't give us more burdens than we can handle. He said, God will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And being tempted and temptations is way different than burdens. Those are two different words. And though we can be clear on the differences in scripture when it comes to the word burden and temptation, I also think it's important that we understand the context of where this scripture came from. The scripture that we just read from 1 Corinthians in chapter 10. Where this scripture actually comes from is Paul is writing this letter to the new Christ followers in the city of Corinth. And he's encouraging them because the city is full of pagan temples. They're sacrificing through prostitution. And he wants to encourage them. There there was a saying to live like a Corinthian meant to live in drunkenness and prostitution. And he wanted to encourage those new Christ followers that, hey, this is going to be all around you. Don't go back to that old way of living. It's going to be all around you. But whenever you are tempted, God will help you. He will help you to the point of even giving you a way out. And so Paul isn't saying that God's not going to give you more than you can handle here. What he's saying is God will help you when you are being tempted to sin. That's what that passage means. He will help you when you are being tempted. But maybe you're thinking, so what is it if we just kind of, you know, move some of the words around there and just make it sound more spiritual? I mean, it's helpful for people. See, it's dangerous though if we perpetuate this lie. We don't want to perpetuate this lie. It's dangerous, and here's why. The first lie is, it tells us a lie about ourselves. When we believe that God won't give us more than we can handle, when we find ourselves in circumstances that are overwhelming to us, we can be hesitant to ask for help. We may even start to believe that I should be able to do this. I should be able to get through this on my own because God won't give me more than I can handle. And And you just get buried under the pressure of your burdens. 
The second thing is it tells us a lie about other people. It tells us a lie about each other. Because when we see other people who are experiencing overwhelming circumstances, we kind of project on them these kind of unhealthy expectations that they should also be able to handle things on their own too because God wouldn't give them more than they could handle. And that's not true. Another thing, it tells us a lie about how we should cope when we're dealing with overwhelming circumstances. We were never designed to endure life on our own. And so when we encounter overwhelming circumstances, we are tempted to use unhealthy behaviors to begin to cope with the stress of these burdens in our life. This overwhelming burden can lead us to isolating from people. It can lead us to numbing ourselves, numbing ourselves with food, numbing ourselves with alcohol, numbing ourselves with shopping, with busyness. We were never created to do this on our own. So today I want to tell you the truth. And though the truth may not make a bumper sticker here, the truth is quite freeing. And here's the truth. Sometimes you will face more than you can handle. You will. Sometimes you will face more than you can handle. If you have children, sometimes you will face more than you can handle. If you are living with teenagers, sometimes you will face more than you can handle. If you are a woman married to a man, you may, or a man married to a woman. If you are married, if you are breathing, if you are breathing, sometimes you will face more than you can handle. You will face more than you will handle. Okay, just in case you're worried that this is how we're going to end on this downward note, there is hope. There is hope. And the hope is in the promise of scripture. And the promise isn't that whenever we find our way back to God, somehow we get to escape hard times. The hope of scripture is that when we find ourselves in hard times, we don't have to go through them alone. We don't have to go through them alone. And if anyone here finds himself stuck in the middle of overwhelming circumstances, please hear this. You are not alone. You are not alone. You're not alone. And it means when you come across uh, hard times that you can admit it and you can ask for help. It means that you're surrounded by a God who loves you and, and Christ followers who can help get you through anything. It also means you don't have to have this superhero, I can get through it kind of mentality because we have the greatest hero in Jesus. God won't give you more than you can handle is a bumper sticker that is simply not true. But the truth is greater than that. And the truth is that God will help you handle all that you have been given. He will help, help you handle anything that comes your way. He will not leave you. He will not abandon you. He will help you endure any circumstances that you're going through. And this is how that happens. First, we need to depend on God. We need to depend on him. We have to depend on God. We need to choose to trust him no matter what our circumstances are. And this isn't some blind trust. This is trust that has proven over centuries that God has never abandoned his people. In the Old Testament, we read through the Psalms 
that God is our ever-present help in times of trouble. And that means God will never abandon us, no matter the difficulty. We also read in the New Testament that God wants us to bring our burdens to him. That's what it means. We need to bring them to him. And we bring our burdens to him through prayer. Prayer that may be full of tears. Prayer that's full of fear. Prayer that is full of hurt, pain, anger. Prayer that is poured out through a broken heart. God should be our first go-to no matter how daunting the circumstances are, there is nothing, there is nothing too difficult for God to get you through. Nothing. It's not too far. It's not too much. It's not too late. There is nothing too difficult. But another thing that we need to do when we face difficult situations is we need to depend on God through others. Depend on God through others. And, and we were never meant to do this thing called life on our own. We were always designed to do this in community with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And the best way to do this is through a small group. I'm a small group director. What did you think I was going to talk about today? <laughs> if you're not in a small group, get in a small group. Why are you not in a small group? What's your excuse? Your schedule or something? Come on. We were not created to do life on our own. Get in a community. Surround yourself with Christ followers who will get you through anything. And it's not just to make God happy. This is, this is how we were created so we could endure anything. If you're not in a small group, I want to invite you to uh, explore community. Explore community is a four-week introductory small group experience. There's information in your program on how you can register for that. But this is a great way to get started in a small group. And if you're in a small group, don't think you're off the hook. I'm going to take advantage of my time up here. Don't think you're off the hook. Because it's not just about showing up. It's not about just checking a box on a list of things to do. It's about showing up and being real about what is going on in our life, getting through our struggles together so we can actually carry each other's burdens. That's what biblical community looks like. That's what we read in scripture. We are to carry each other's burdens. I want to share a story with you from Matt and Debbie. Matt and Debbie are a couple from our Yorkville location, and they have recently experienced something that they depended on God through their small group uh, to get through. And this is their story um, uh, written by Debbie. And Debbie writes, Matt has been on a health journey for several years, and after multiple and different diagnoses, we decided to go to Mayo Clinic to see if we could get clear answers. Immediately, our small group committed to pray for us, which we knew we needed, especially when we arrived at Mayo. Soon after arriving at Mayo, Matt was given new medication, which quickly resulted in some very serious side effects. Immediately, Matt started having what we thought was a heart attack, and in a matter of a few minutes, Matt was being rushed to the ER, and I remember standing there thinking that I have just lost my husband. I called Matt's mom in a panic and tried to explain what was unfolding but felt so frustrated because I really had no idea what was going on. And although they sent a social worker and called the hospital chaplain for me, I remember just wishing we were home and with our small group. 
that suffered what is called angioedema, which required him to be in the ICU on a ventilator with a breathing tube for seven days. He was finally, finally released, and we were just 45 minutes out of town. We got an urgent phone call from Mayo that Matt had severe case of blood poisoning. We immediately had to turn around, go back to Mayo. And at this point, all we wanted to do was get home and be with friends and family. After three and a half weeks, we finally returned home. Matt was receiving local infusion treatments that would last about five weeks. But after only a few days, Matt ended up having another severe allergic reaction. But this time, he was hospitalized in Aurora. It was indeed another scary time, but this time we had our small group right there with us. Members of our small group prayed with us, sat with us, and served our family meals. And when Matt did finally return home, he came home to some of the best Italian sausage soup, compliments of our group. And what was so beautiful about all this is that between the two of us, we've been involved in several small groups over the years. And even though some of these groups hadn't met for years, they still all came around and supported us in any way that they could. Flooding our phone, our phone with messages and the Facebook through support. I am so thankful for our community. I never would have gotten through that nightmare without the support of others. And I'm happy to report that Matt has fully recovered. He's returned to work. He's celebrating weekly within his small group. That's what a small group is all about. They sit with you. They pray with you. They take care of your kids. They bring you food. And sometimes you're connected. Even if you don't meet anymore together, you're still connected. I believe that God can get us through anything in our lives. And I think he uses Christ followers to help us do that. But I also want to be clear that sometimes we need doctors. Sometimes we need therapists. Sometimes we need uh, a recovery program for the help. See, we need to resist this lie that I should be able to handle this on my own because it's simply not true. You weren't created to handle the burdens of life on your own. It's not a sign of weakness if you ask for help. And if you need help, please let us know. Please let us know. Let your small group know. Maybe you're not getting traction in this area of your life because you think you have to do it all on your own and you're just like, God won't give me more than I can handle, but you were never intended to do it on your own in the first place. I look at a room this size and just think of all the burdens that some of you must be carrying that could be a financial crisis or a relationship crisis. Maybe you're just just trying to keep your life on the rails and everything in the box, but it just keeps bouncing out. We were not created to do life on our own. Lean into God. Lean into this community that is surrounding you. Before I close today, I want to remind us that the point of the cross is that we couldn't handle it on our own. 
We couldn't handle everything on our own. That's the whole point of Christ. The Apostle Paul reminds us in Scripture that at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. See, there's nothing we can do to make ourselves right with God. Jesus is the one who makes us righteous. It's through him that we have this path to God. And there is nothing that we could do to prove ourselves to God. It's Jesus. It's Jesus's power that proves us to God. And Jesus didn't just meet humanity and its helplessness 2,000 years ago. Jesus meets us right here now in our helpless humanity right now. He meets me and he meets you right here, right now. And he does that by helping us find our way back to God. You were never intended to carry the burdens of life on your own. From the very beginning, God has been saying, you need me. And he said it so loudly that he sent his son here to die in our place so that we could be united with him. So lean into him, lean into God and lean into this community. And may we be a community that, is, that represents that scripture that says that we carry, we carry one another's burdens. That's the community I want to be a part of. Pray with me, please. Father God, I pray for those who are in this room who are experiencing circumstances that lead them wondering why and wondering where are you. And may they just fill your grace right now. May they understand that your power is perfect. Your supernatural power is perfect through Jesus. May your presence minister to everyone who is hurting. May they feel that you are who they need to know. Father, I thank you for your son because it's through him that all of this is possible. That we get to join in your family as brothers and sisters of Christ and carry one another's burdens. It's in your son's holy name that I pray. Amen.